Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, and welcome to the exciting, colorful, and sometimes bizarre world of Argentine tango. On this show, we'll be meeting tango instructors, event organizers, and musicians. They are a fascinating bunch of people, and it'll be a great time. I'm your host, Joe Yang, and thank you very much for joining us. Today's guest is a bandoneon player who's been based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota since 1994. He started playing tango music back in 1987 and secretly nurtured this passion for a long time. Then, in 2001, he created the quartet Manjagora Tango. Today, he remains active in the music world of tango, and we're thrilled to have him on the show. And with me now is the one and only Bob Barnes. Bob, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be uh, uh, in the same um, on the same podcast with so many great tango uh, <laughs> tango dancers and, and voices. Yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, Bob. So let's let's take us back a little bit to the beginning of your tango journey. So when it comes to tango, did you fall in love with the dance or the music first? Oh, the music. The music, definitely. Yeah, I've been a musician my whole life, and I went to, to music school in the 80s, uh, Oberlin Conservatory, and I remember getting a cassette of Astro Piazzolla Tango Zero Hour oh. and just having my mind blown. I mean, everyone I knew listened to it. I, I, I wore the thing out and <laughs> I said, oh, this is the music I want to play. This is what I want to do with my life. By the time, I thought tango was a dead art form. This would have been maybe 88 or so. Right. And the tango revival hadn't happened yet. Like Forever Tango was, I think it may have started, but it mm -hmm. certainly hadn't come to the States yet. So I, I, I learned tangos whenever I could from like recordings and mostly recordings of European tangos because you couldn't get the Argentine stuff in the States. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of a, a, a private thing. And then I was in a band that broke up uh, in 2001 and it was like a folk band. And I said, yeah. you know, I want to play tango. I don't care if I have to subsidize and never make a penny, <laughs> but I'm going to start a tango band to play the music I want to play. Mm -hmm. And it turns out about the same time, Lois Tanay and some other folks in, in here in Minneapolis mm -hmm. had founded Minnesota Tango Society and mm -hmm. started having malongas. Yeah. And uh, it worked out really well. There's a restaurant in town called the Loring Pasta Bar that yes. wanted to have tango night. Mm -hmm. And that was in 2002. Mm -hmm. And so we played... My band, Mandragora, right. uh, played uh, every Sunday night from like 2002 to 2014. Right, right. And I sort of quit my own band and handed it over to Rogue Tango, which is sort mm -hmm. of what's left of the band. Okay. And they've been playing every, every Sunday since. They're playing, you know, this week. Nice. And so it's live tango music for 16 years every Sunday in Minneapolis. Mm. Yeah, so when you first heard that Piazzolla tape, I mean, what, what was it that really grabbed you? It was the raw emotion. Mm -hmm. It was the the rhythm and the lush sounds that mm -hmm. it was somewhere between classical jazz and folk. Mm -hmm. It was something accessible but exotic at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that that kind of passion, I guess you don't you don't hear everywhere in classical music, mm -hmm. and that's what what spoke to me. There's a huge difference between Astor Piazzolla and classical tango. Uh -huh. And tango for dance, and I, I learned tango for dance much later. Okay. And it, it took me longer to get into that. I, uh, I won't lie. Okay. Yeah. So when you were back in Oberlin and you heard the Astor Piazzolla for the first time, did you rush out to tell anybody, or did you sort of keep that to yourself? Oh, I, I told. I, I I played it for like everyone I could at uh -huh. the time. I was like, you gotta hear this. Gotta hear this. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Whatever. Oh, really? So nobody 
nobody got it the way you did. Some some people got it and mm-hmm. thought it'd be fun to play, but at the time you couldn't find that cheap music in the states, and oh. it was just a quirky thing. Mm-hmm. You know, now like at, at music schools, people have to give like a senior recital, and most schools say, "Oh, you have to play something written in the 20th century on your senior recital," so you okay. can't just play all Beethoven or whatever. Right, right. And it turns out that. Because Piazzolla is so accessible compared to the rest of 20th century music, mm-hmm. that he's like the most performed 20th century composer at music schools today. Oh, wow! I... He wrote some great stuff for you know solo flute and mm-hmm. for piano and string quartet and lots of transcriptions of other pieces for solo instruments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. So it was a little while later before you before you tried out the bandoneon. So before, what, what instruments oh, yes. were you into? Um, well, I was playing piano when I first heard Piazzolla, but I also mm-hmm. played piano accordion mm-hmm. and got into that for many years and would play you know, tango secretly. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, not so secretly. I was in a, a klezmer band. I'm from Washington, D.C. originally. Mm-hmm. I was in a klezmer band called Lox and Vodka. Mm. And we played for Jewish, Jewish-Russian weddings, and there was a number of Russian tangos that uh, I played in, in this klezmer band, mm. and I, I absolutely loved them. And it was many, many years later I found the, the history of them, that there was a, a Russian tango style. Mm-hmm. And I played in a, a vintage dance orchestra where we played cotillions and quadrilles, and tango was one of those vintage dances that people would do as a hobby. It wasn't a living art form when uh-huh. I first started playing it. Nice. So when did you pick up that bandoneon? Uh, geez, shortly after my son was born. So I guess uh, maybe late 2004, early 2005. Okay. There's a guy named Harry Geens in Belgium. Makes um, He's one of the few folks still making bandoneons. Mm-hmm. And he made a student model and at a, at a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. And I decided to, you know, to buy that and see if I, could, if I could learn how to play the thing. And I said to myself... As soon as I can play the variation from Chaos to Bandoneon mm-hmm. at speed, then I will invest some money in a real Bandoneon. Okay. And that a couple of years later, this uh, accordion repair person I knew, he um, he put me in touch with somebody who was selling uh, a really nice Bandoneon that was barely used, a, a, a new one from this guy, Harry Geens. And I bought that and never looked back. Oh, wow. But I still play accordion from time to time, mm-hmm. but not for tango. Okay. What was the adjustment like from going from piano accordion to to bandoneon? Oh, it's entirely different. There's mm. there's other than bellows, there's really no commonality. Mm. You know, one of the funny things about bandoneon is, you know, it's it's the lead instrument in in a tango band. Yeah. But in every tango band outside of outside of Argentina, the bandoneon is usually the weakest player. Because, you know, folks will be playing violin since they're three or piano since they were ten and oh. you know, they'll be in the band and the bandoneon player mm-hmm usually played something else until mm-hmm. they were an adult and said, oh, I want to learn Bandonian because I'm not oh. crazy for tango. Right. So, you know, I'd be struggling with my scales and, mm-hmm. you know, I have to give all the, the difficult parts to the violin mm-hmm. because when learning Bandonian, I mean, it was a long time before I could play everything that I knew on accordion on mm-hmm. Bandonian. I made okay. a lot of arrangements for my band with accordion. It was like, mm-hmm. well, I can't use this because I can't play the accordion part. Mm-hmm. But now I can, you know, use both hands the bandonian can play melodies in both hands, accordion can't. So there's a lot of stuff that I can do now that I really enjoy. So as you were developing your skills as a bandonian player, was that mm-hmm. largely an exercise in self-exploration or did you have mentorship along the way? It, it was a lot of self-exploration, a lot of listening to old recordings. There's really very few folks that play the bandonian. You know, whenever like a traveling tango show came to town or if I was in New York or um, Montreal, I would 
look up bandonian players and take a lesson. Mm -hmm. But you know, in in here, you know, Minnesota and also in in Wisconsin, where you where you are, yeah, they have bandonians that are played for like German polkas. There's a bunch of old German guys that play bandonians oh. and. Their their close relative it's called a, a concertina with a K or, or sometimes called a Chemnitzer. Okay. And these are polka accordions, and they don't have they don't have all the all the notes of the scale, and they they play primarily in one key. Okay. But but a bandonian is basically a concertina in the key of A. Okay. That it's really easy to play polkas in the key of A on bandonian. Uh -huh. And unfortunately, that doesn't lend itself well to tango because a lot of the notes you need aren't anywhere near. <laughs> The A major scale, they're just yeah. all over the place, kind of randomly. Yeah. So I, I, I knew some players in town, but nobody who played tango or who cared. Mm -hmm. So you said that it took you a little while to get into playing tango for dancers. So yeah, why don't you talk a little bit about playing for for listening as opposed to playing for dancing? Ooh, ooh that's that's a whole can of worms. Sure, um, sure. Well, so most of the musicians I know who weren't dancers first, got into tango by hearing Astro Piazzolla. Mm -hmm. And it kind of blew their minds. Mm -hmm. Or there's uh, Chrono String Quartet recorded some, some Pugliese and Troilo, and that kind of blows people's minds too. Mm -hmm. So when you play for... Okay, so I'm going to get really pedantic and sure. go kind of back in time here. So then, okay. <laughs> let, me, let me diverse, because I, I, I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So turn of the last century, mm -hmm. jazz is invented in New Orleans, mm -hmm. tango is invented in Buenos Aires. Two port cities that have a whole lot of immigrants and different um, different musical influences. It starts in brothels or places of ill repute, mm -hmm. and it isn't until much later that it becomes socially acceptable it, to listen to jazz or to listen to, to tango. Right. And in the early days, dance and music were one and the same, mm -hmm. that there's no such thing as jazz that wasn't for dance until mm -hmm. about World War II, which is when you start having big bands that were for dancing, and mm -hmm. then you had these smaller ensembles, I'm talking about jazz, smaller yeah. ensembles that were for listening. Like oh. a jazz club didn't really exist until after World War II. Oh. The big bands... As you had bigger venues, they needed more volume. So you have these big tango orchestras with four band audience, four violins. Mm -hmm. That fills a good-sized dance hall, whereas a smaller group of a quartet or quintet, you know, that's, that's a coffee shop-sized thing. Ah. So up until the 50s, you needed a large orchestra to make enough, just enough volume to mm -hmm. play for a large dance crowd. Mm -hmm. Well, that's when recordings started to be good enough that people could DJ. Oh. And so... Instead of having you know hiring fourteen guys to play a tango orchestra, you could just you know play a record. You know, I mean, so that's that's oversimplifying, right, but right. you don't need that many folks anymore. You mm -hmm. have smaller records, and now tango got to be something that it's for singers. And in Argentina, if you listen to if you know you ride a cab, you know, they have a tango radio station. You'll mm -hmm. hear tango singers singing songs that, you know, you may not hear at a malanga. The, mm -hmm. What you hear at a malanga is a very specialized subset, maybe 300 or 400 songs that are ever played, mm -hmm. Golden Age songs ever played at a malanga. It's nothing after 1960. Yeah. But tango is a whole living tradition, and there's all these great singers that around today, and they'll, you can go out to, to a tango club and hear someone sing tango, mm -hmm. but not... You know, there's no dancing. Just like you could, you know, go see a jazz vocalist. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you go to, well, when Frank Sinatra is around, or some some crooner, some um, yeah, yeah. Harry Connick Jr. Let's right. let's say beautiful jazz, wonderful stuff. A few songs you can dance to, but mm -hmm. nobody's up and dancing. You're sitting down, enjoying a drink, and listening to a singer. Yeah, and that is what tango for listening is, or jazz for listening. Mm -hmm. But what they can do with that is they can go 
very slow or go mm. very fast or what's more difficult for dancers going back and forth between the two of them yeah and Piazzolla does a thing where he's never the same tempo more than about a minute mm -hmm. and it's beautiful stuff but the sudden tempo changes drive dancers nuts <laughs> and yeah I've done some stuff with making what I call danceable arrangements of Piazzolla of mm -hmm. doing like seasons or some some older pieces of his but like you know make make the fast sections slower the slow sections faster so mm -hmm. that it's all about a tango tempo and you know I think it loses a lot in the musicality and wow. it was I guess a waste of not a waste of time but dancers didn't appreciate it as much as I hoped yeah. and I think I was doing Piazzolla a disservice by not playing at the tempos that he wanted I see so so that's in a nutshell the big difference. <laughs> the big difference is speed. You you play too fast, too slow. Yeah, that's the tango for listening. Okay. Yeah. Some of the great Piazzolla, like Oblivion, is mm. uh, the song that everyone knows and hears. And DJs hate it. And then yeah. I've seen like memes about DJs. You know, they'll take requests, but it's cost a thousand dollars to play Oblivion <laughs> because there's it's really slow mm -hmm. and. You know, Mandragora was playing in you know every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Our dancers liked that, but I think we had a regular audience that got used to playing some some slow Piazzolla tangos. But when we took them on the road, would play the same thing, and people were like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. And so it's it's it may be just a Minneapolis thing, uh -huh. but it's a beautiful song, mm -hmm. but often too slow to dance, or you have to be really connected to your partner yeah. to to pull it off. You mm -hmm. can't do it in open embrace. Yeah. I suppose you could. That wouldn't be any fun. <laughs> that is a beautiful song. If you haven't heard it, check it out. Oblivion. That's yeah. Great. That was really, that was really interesting, Bob. So uh, I want to switch gears a little bit to, to now uh, the experience of performing uh, mm -hmm. for, for dancers and working with other musicians. So when you get together with a, with a group of other, uh, other musicians to play, is there anything that tips you off that tells you that this is going to be a good group of people to work with? Well, the first thing is, do they care about tango? Mm -hmm. That, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to a festival in Albuquerque next weekend. This is this is being recorded in right. like March 2018. Mm -hmm. And there's probably like maybe 100 bandonian players in America and maybe 40 who play in a, a band specializing in dance or who can play for dance. Mm -hmm. And about maybe 20 of us are going to Albuquerque next, uh, next weekend. Mm -hmm. But also, it's 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 a lot of bands from the West Coast. I'm I'm playing with um, uh, Tango West from Salt Lake City, um, mm -hmm. and we're also going to have like a, a big orchestra of like everybody together, like twelve bandos, twelve mm -hmm. violins. Nice. But there's a huge difference in playing with great classical players. Like mm -hmm. I can hire classical musicians here in Minneapolis that can read anything, and mm -hmm. it'll sound great, perfectly in tune, whatever. But they don't have that tango feel because they haven't studied it. It is a different type of music oh. as opposed to a musician that can dance tango or has played a lot of tango and knows some of the phrasings. Mm -hmm. For instance, there's a thing called a friseo mm -hmm. that if you had a, um, the, 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 the tango por in a cabeza, that is how it's written as what's called straight eighth notes. Mm -hmm. But a tango musicians would play it. 
So one, two, three, four becomes one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Mm. And that's that kind of swing. It's it's the moral equivalent of swing, is what Piazzolla called it. That jazz musicians have a special way of playing that gives it a swing. And tango musicians have to have that swing as well. You can get away with playing something very dry. Darienzo has almost no swing mm -hmm. and is very chop, 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 chop. Yeah. And it it's very hard on the shoulders to play a lot of Darienzo because <laughs> you are just pounding the bandonian to getting mm. getting the notes really short. Darienzo and Biaggi are super short. Mm. Uh, something like uh, uh, Pugliese or um, DeAngelis are a lot longer longer notes. Uh, mm. Calo um, will have these, I guess, different different kinds of phrasing. It's easier for non non tango musicians to play like the the Darienzo than something like Pugliese, where there's so much that's not written down that you need to know mm -hmm. or feel. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you said about Darian. So yeah, I never thought of, <laughs> I never thought of that being hard on the shoulders, but I guess, I guess I could see that now. <laughs> well, I probably need to relax and have a better, <laughs> a better frame, the frame for bando and the frame for dancing tango. Mm -hmm. There's some similarities. Um, oh, okay. Not enough. I need to not, like when I dance, not take my follower's arm left and right with my, my left hand. That's ah. the band the bando moves in and out and I I sometimes do that when I'm dancing. It's okay. like that the, the open side arm just moves in ways it shouldn't. Yeah. So Bob, you also dance tango because I've seen you on the dance floor. Uh, so what was it like for you to learn how to dance tango? Well I guess I had played for maybe eight or ten years before I really took tango mm -hmm. dance seriously. Uh, I had little kids and just not no no time to go to lessons. Mm -hmm. So when I decided to do it, I, I was dancing with a lot of followers who I knew as mm -hmm. as friends, as acquaintances, who would say, "Oh, hey, let me show you something." And you know, I would dance like after playing. Mm -hmm. And the thing about that is, for the longest time, I couldn't lead beginners because I had only danced with really good dancers who would oh. come to a lot of shows. <laughs> so it took me a while to sort of go back and learn basics. And I'm always learning basics. I can mm -hmm. always learn something more about the walk or you know the posture or whatever figures, you know, I know the music and just being able to stop when the orchestra stops or mm -hmm. pause when the music pauses gives a musicality that I, I know us musicians, I, I know some other dancers like Alex Krebs or Brian Salisbury, these mm -hmm. folks that are great musicians and great dancers. And they also feel like there's a point where, where, you're, where the, the body's supposed to be in motion and a mm -hmm. point where the body's supposed to be in place. Mm -hmm. So hearing those is, is really my secret weapon. Ah, yes. So as a musician and when you're playing or you know, keeping an eye on dancers who are moving to the music that you're playing, are there any parts of tango music? I guess it's a different depending on the composer, but are there any parts of the music that you, know, you watch people dance where you wish they would try something in specific that would match the music or express the music that you're playing? You know, one of the things... When the music stops, mm -hmm. I'd like to see people stop. I don't. That doesn't okay. happen very much. And often, <laughs> yeah. there'll be like you know, in every community, there's one or two people that are dancing just for themselves. And the music will stop, and they go for five or six more beats because yeah. they're not done with what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And you know, the guitar player in Mandragora mm -hmm. would used to. There's one guy in Minneapolis who would uh, do that, and the guitar player leaning his mic says, "Hey, we're done now." <laughs> Song's over. You can stop. Um, that's one thing. What, there's one really cool thing that sometimes happens is 
if, if a place is DJ'd, mm-hmm. uh, Milonga has a DJ, but his old recordings don't have what's called a, a sound floor. That, that You have the, the sharp notes. There's always some noise underneath. Mm-hmm. So you play like an old Biagi that has, for example, uh, Bellica, has mm-hmm. these great big breaks where nothing should be happening. Mm-hmm. But you never get full silence because there's always that crackle of the old recording, whatever. Yeah. But when you're playing live and you do a, a, a complete break like that, mm-hmm. there's silence in the room. Yeah. And then you can hear people's shoes moving across the floor. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, let's see, uh, actually, I have a bandonian right here. I you can do. give an example. All right. You know, instead of going... Um, I can uh, stop the notes uh, when playing. Here's an example. It's called Allegrand Munieke. It okay. goes um, like uh, here the uh, Desarli or Biagi. It goes something like this. But mm-hmm. if I was playing for dancers and wanted to kind of hear stuff, you can go like. Mm-hmm. those big pauses and mm-hmm. when you do that there's sometimes people react to that mm-hmm. and you'll have a crowd if a crowd is really listening they'll react in real time if you if you do something like that mm-hmm. i think one of the reasons that a lot of great dancers good dancers mm-hmm. don't like live music is tango is hard yeah and that's just let's just say it, it's, it's hard it's, there's mm-hmm. nothing easy about it and so somebody spends a tremendous amount of their 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 brain cells and their free time learning how to dance mm-hmm. there's only like 200 300 songs that are played at Malongas, and mm-hmm. you hear the same ones over and over so you kind of get to know them yeah. you know if there's going to be something dramatic you know how the ending is going to go and you're familiar and comfortable with it mm-hmm. so if you're the kind of person that doesn't want to seem foolish or doesn't want to you know zig where everyone else is zagging whatever yeah. you're comfortable with the old recordings you've heard thousands of times. Mm-hmm. Well, if you listen to a new band, whether they're playing arrangements of the old recordings or they're playing an old an old song with a new arrangement mm-hmm. or they're playing a la parisha where they're just, which means on the grill or playing like jazz players where yeah. they know the melody and chords mm-hmm. and just trying to feel things out more like jazz, they could be a little back and forth between the audience and between the dancers and the musicians. Mm-hmm. But some people just really do not like that back and forth. They want the music to, to be the same every time so the dancers can do all the, the improv. I see. Yeah, because there is something really different about da- dancing to a live band. There, there is this living, breathing entity that you're also, in a sense, dancing with. And... Yeah. Well, one of the big things of tango music is entirely written out, like classical chamber music. Mm-hmm. Every note is written out. And... Other than playing a la parisha, like you can mm-hmm. do with a trio, you can't really do much bigger than that, where you're playing like jazz players. Mm-hmm. Everything you've heard, you hear on Golden Era is written out. There's there's notes. Mm-hmm. You can't find those parts online. They, they don't exist. There's a few folks who are selling arrangements now. Mm-hmm. But you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago when I started playing, it, it didn't exist. You had to write your own. Mm-hmm. And so tango musicians will share these with each other and whatever. But it means that there's a very big barrier to entry mm-hmm. that it's easy enough to to pick up, you know, just the, the melody to something and learn how to play it with five or six folks. Mm-hmm. 
it's entirely different to have danceable arrangements that allow you to play an evening full of music mm-hmm. of you know two long sets of music in tandas. There's a tremendous barrier to entry because to play an evening to play for a tango mm-hmm. for a milonga, you're going to need 30 songs. Yeah, it's going to take a long time to get 30 good songs together, mm-hmm. and some of them are going to be filler. And it's not like you have any city in America has like six musicians who are crazy enough about tango to have listened and understand the feeling. Mm-hmm. You, you'll have classical musicians who this is just a gig for them or, hey, I play tangos on Thursdays and I play salsa on Friday and mm-hmm. then on, on Sunday I play in church. Mm-hmm. There's, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of musicians that enjoy tango, but it's not their main thing. Yeah. And tango doesn't lend itself to dilettantes just playing. Right. <laughs> you know, the, the right. barrier to entry is really high. You have mm-hmm. a lot of DJs who I, I think, so I think like tango musicians are the, the natural enemy of DJs. Okay. That um, <laughs> DJs, they don't want to share the night with live music. Mm-hmm. They say, oh, well, it's, it's the only correct way of doing it is to Sarli in 1950 mm-hmm. or, you know, Darienzo in 1935. And anything you're doing right now, that's, you know, it's the same song, but it's entirely different. Doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of dancers, at least those that aren't at the, you know, stratospheric, BA level, mm-hmm. they like live music. Like you, you, you wouldn't think of having a swing dance festival without a live band, yeah. or a salsa festival without a salsa band. Right. But how many, how many tango, tango festivals don't have live music? Mm-hmm. I would say most of them. And the other, on the other hand, that a lot of a lot of tango musicians don't respect what DJs do. They say, oh, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, I spent 20 years learning my instrument, and this person just has a large iPod. Right. <laughs> like me. <laughs> That's kidding. <laughs> but, but no, I've heard you keep there. I mean, no, no, you know, no, you know the rules. You yeah. know how to put the tanda together. Right. You know how to get a flow. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I do a fair amount of DJing. When I was playing regularly with my band, I would mm-hmm. always DJ, you know, before and after sets and mm-hmm. have things together. So I have, like, all these great tandas that I have on my phone, and, mm-hmm. like, if I'm at a Malonga and the, G- and the, the DJ's um, laptop dies, I'm like, hey, I've got a bunch of tandas with, with Cortinas yeah. on my phone. Let me plug in. Mm-hmm. So I know something about you know, making playlists and making mm-hmm. a flow of an evening. Mm-hmm. I don't there's, – there's an alternative Malonga here in Minneapolis that mm-hmm. I DJ at from time to time, or I'll have my own house parties, mm-hmm. where I like to play the, the music of living tango artists. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of bands in Buenos Aires now and, and around, the, around the world mm-hmm. – play really good tango music that yeah. you can dance to whose mm-hmm. whose point is playing danceable tango music like Sexteto Milonguero is amazing yeah uh, Silencio Tango Orchestra there's there's dozens of groups you can play an entire evening of danceable tango music of modern orchestras oh. and I'm not aware of anybody doing that and, mm-hmm. and I guess I, I I mostly do it sort of as, as a to prove that it can be done okay and it may not be the best thing I should probably play some you know some classics some good to start <laughs> but it can be done. They are living artists mm-hmm. that take tango every bit as seriously as living dancers. Mm-hmm. I just I said artists and dancers are two different things. That is not true. I should say musicians okay. who take tango very seriously as much as dancers do. Both mm-hmm. are artists. Yeah. Well, when it comes to working with other musicians or you know, talking to them and their experiences, have you ever sat down with other bandoneon players and just sort of traded stories? And have you ever picked up Anything interesting from them or other tips and tricks that have really helped shape your growth as a musician? Well, a lot because 
I'm mostly self-taught on Bandonian or mm -hmm. listening to old recordings. So when I meet other Bandonian players, I want to gather whatever knowledge they have and yeah. share. So every Bandonian player has something I can learn from. Mm -hmm. And if somebody's going through town or I'm in town where I sometimes have to travel for my day job and I'll be in a town where I have a, you know, a friend or acquaintance that plays bando, we'll get together mm -hmm. and have coffee. Or if I have my bando, let's, let's play some music. Yeah. And we can always learn something from each other. Everyone can teach teach you something. Mm -hmm. While chatting with other Bandoneon players, have you ever picked up any tips or tricks that you hadn't thought of trying before? Well, there's, there's, there's a bando player in North Carolina named uh, Julian Hassa, who mm -hmm. I was at a tango workshop a couple of years ago in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And he's just like this wealth of information. And he was just shooting the breeze. Like, hey, if you, the, you know, uh, he was explaining how to voice a chord with a different chord tones in each hand hmm. and he was just you know it's, it's something it's like technical and obscure but he's kind of hmm. rattled it off i'm like ah, i should try that i tried it it's like holy crap that sounds amazing hmm. and it was just something that he was just like just tossing off these nuggets of information not at random but hmm. just in conversation i was like so that's i, I learned a lot from him hmm. and some some players are gregarious and just want to teach like i, I love talking about tango it's Mm -hmm. I just do it. Some some folks are not as gregarious, and nobody's trying to hide information, but some mm -hmm. people think it's like their duty in life to share tango knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of those folks, and I have a lot of musician friends who are also those kind of folks. Like I said, I'm going to a tango festival next weekend of like 37 mm -hmm. live musicians. Nice. We'll be trading stories. We'll be playing with each other. They'll be like, oh, how do you do that? Oh, how do you – oh, you're phrasing that differently. What's, what's, what's the chord you're using there or, mm -hmm. or whatever? So we get a lot of that. It's fantastic. Okay, so here's a question that I um that I asked uh, this guy named Corey Ireland a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh yeah, 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 he's a great dude. Yeah, yeah, and I wanna I wanna get your take on it, Bob. So what are some of the challenges of, of writing tango music today? Hmm. I think one of the things I don't want to be derivative and mm -hmm. have something that's exactly like something from the 30s or 40s. Mm -hmm. It can be done. There's plenty of folks that have done things like that. But at the same time, you don't want to be too modern. Mm -hmm. There's there's a uh, one of my favorite living composers, Andres Velinsky, mm -hmm. out of Buenos Aires, and he plays a vale tango, and he has got a couple of couple albums out there. He's, his uh, his family is klezmer musicians in, in, uh, mm -hmm. in Buenos Aires, so he's like a, his is a great album of his family playing klezmer music, Jewish Jewish folk jazz. Mm -hmm. But he is an amazing musician and and composer. He's written some great stuff that I'll DJ, and people are like, oh, wow, this is really cool. It sounds modern because there might be a drum or electric bass in it, but it mm -hmm. also has a real tango feel and stays within the medium. Mm -hmm. So it's tough to, it's tough to find that, that mix. Yeah. I when I write things, they tend to be a little like noty or, I guess, more jazz-influenced, like heavier jazz and classical, like heavier-duty chords. Oh, okay. Oh, there's another great, great tango musician, Julian Peralta in mm -hmm. Buenos Aires from Astachero. Uh, he founded a, a orchestra of Fernandez Fierro, and he's got sort of this like punk heavy metal tango vibe of <laughs> like like all the bando players have like long dreadlocks and they're all like under thirty, mm -hmm. and they have this this old garage they've turned into their they call it the Athletic Club Fernandez Fierro, and there's you know a milonga there a couple every week mm -hmm. with live music. Well, it's like this heavy heavy tango it's it's like kids who grew up listening to a lot of metallica then learn bandonian okay and so you've got all these like really heavy licks mm -hmm. and a heavy beat but you can also hear i think they call themselves something like 
you know, the, the crazy grandsons of Pugliese. <laughs> and they can, um, they've, they've mixed the genres together. You'll never hear it at a, you know, a malonga, mm -hmm. a social dance malonga outside of Argentina. And then folks who go to Argentina, it's not, this isn't on the, the tour stop of like tango tourists. They never want to, mm -hmm. to see that. Okay. Oh, I got to say another interesting sure. fact about Pugliese. Pugliese outlived Kurt Cobain by two months. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's one of these dumb, dumb facts, Trivia. random facts. That's awesome. Trivia. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, Bob, I want to switch gears now to, uh, to okay. tango communities. And ah, yeah, ah. so you've visited a number of tango communities. You've played for us out here in Madison, which was awesome. And mm -hmm. you played in many, many different places. So just in your, during your travels and in your observations, Bob, what, what is it that makes a really good tango community? In your opinion, I think openness mm -hmm. and friendliness. I mean, it's sometimes that's you know the tango thing of of oh we're gonna be real quiet and make eye contact, do cabaseo. Mm -hmm. That's hard. I mean, that's great at a festival when everyone is already is into tango mm -hmm. and knows knows the codigos, yeah, codigos. But for having like a good tango night at a bar, mm -hmm. there has to be some openness. Like if you show up and don't know anybody. Mm -hmm. Will good dancers ask you to dance? If you ask a good dancer to dance, will they dance with you without knowing who you are? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the uh, unfortunate corollary is if you're a follower who goes to a, a new malanga, are all the creepazoid old dudes going to hit on you? Or are, <laughs> yeah. are the, a representative cross-section of dancers going to ask you to dance? Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've been to a lot of scenes where folks are very um, inviting. I think in bigger cities... Mm -hmm. It's harder. There will be so many people that you may not know everybody, so it's harder right. to get that sense of community. Mm -hmm. My family's from Washington, D.C., and I go there a couple times a year and try to try to dance here and there. Mm -hmm. And the the population is so much bigger than Minneapolis or, or Madison. They're just a huge tango yeah. community and a lot of folks from all over the world who are mm -hmm. working in D.C. So it's harder to sort of meet in there, but at the same time, they don't have that, that Midwest attitude of we must welcome everybody and, mm -hmm. and, and, and serve hot dish or, or whatever. <laughs> and also there has to be an element of fun mm -hmm. that at least for live music, some people who like live music, they may dance salsa on one night and swing on another and tango on a third. They're there to have fun. There has to be some enjoyment there mm -hmm. that if it's like, you know, uh, a master's dissertation that you dance to, mm -hmm. that's not fun. <laughs> um, and I'm sure there's there's lots of other things that mm -hmm. this is just my opinion, and, sure, and it sure. takes all kinds to make make a tango community. Mm -hmm. You know, good consistent DJing is one, mm -hmm. welcoming, and also there has to be good teachers in the community to have to have people up at a certain level. Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard people like when I used to travel with Mandragora, would go to you know smaller smaller communities would would hire us, mm -hmm. and would sit around after a malonga, drinking red wine late into the night, talking mm -hmm. with folks, and that's when like the 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 knives come out and there's there's all these like petty <laughs> fights. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's there's a saying about academia that's also works with tango. It's like the fights are so bitter because the stakes are so low. <laughs> oh, that's a yeah. <laughs> you know, it'd be something. Like, oh, you played this malonga, so that other person isn't going to show up, or that. Nah. What I <laughs> that tango is too small of a community. I mean, mm -hmm. and also because so many people want to, you know, do what they love. There's a lot of tango teachers and not the, the ratio of teachers to learners is, mm -hmm. is skewed in some cities. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to, to reach out 
you know, one of my, my things, why I love playing in bars, mm-hmm. people walk into a bar and they'll say, oh, what is that? Oh, that's tango. Or yeah. when I play concerts, uh, like a summer festival, mm-hmm. uh, not tango festival, but just like a city festival, mm-hmm. or music in the park, or series like that. I'm like, oh, what is that? Oh, that's tango. And we hand out some cards for the Tango Society of Minnesota, and people like show up for tango. And that's how you do outreach. But if tango is only danced at dance studios in strip malls, people aren't going to randomly walk in there and see tango. You have to have tango out in the community, at bars, at public places to have a living culture. Hmm. Yeah, in bars. I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. w- 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 where, where did tango come from? I mean, yeah, it came from exactly. brothels, but I think what bars, I've heard is yeah. like calling like a pulperia, calling it a brothel is kind of a a stretch that they're, they're mm-hmm. bars where you could, you know, you could pay to dance with uh, a woman. And a mm-hmm. hundred years ago, Buenos Aires was many more men than women. Right. Because of the immigrant immigration status. Mm-hmm. So men would pay to dance with women. Mm-hmm. Oh, an interesting, another dumb fun fact. Yeah. That, you know, the Spanish word for 10 is tanda and mm-hmm. used to pay for a token, a 10 little token mm-hmm. called a tanda that allowed you to dance with a woman like three times or four times, whatever oh. the rule for the, the club was. So that's mm-hmm. where the, the concept of tanda comes from. Mm-hmm. You pay for like four dances. Interesting. Well, now we have Uber instead of cabs. Maybe we should do something like that for tango, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob. So what future projects for you are in the works? I know you you got that big thing coming up in Albuquerque. I know the the podcast will probably go to air after that. Tell us what, what future projects you're working ooh, on. Ooh. Um, you know, I, I I have I have teenage kids that I, I'm in a, a sort of lesser tango part of my life right now. Okay. That sometimes life gets in the way of tango, mm-hmm. and that just happens. So I spend a lot of time uh, arranging tango. I have a, oh. a quintet in Minneapolis that I'm trying to get together, but also I need to have good arrangements mm-hmm. to sound really good. And they're all classical musicians can read everything, right. but not, not into tango. So like the example I gave before, I have to write out all the swing, all mm. the forseos, all the articulations that people would know in Buenos Aires, mm-hmm. but it's not North American culture to know how to do that. Ah. So it takes a lot more time to produce something like that. And so I'm, um, I'm doing that. I figure, you know, in a couple of years, my kids will be on their own. I'll be sad, but I will, I will dance more. I, I, I say I will be able to take lessons for the first time oh. once that happens. I've never been able to commit to like a, a regular, like every Wednesday mm-hmm. schedule. So okay. looking forward to that. Nice. Well, Bob, thank you again so much for taking the time to talk to me. It was really fun. And there's a lot yeah. of really cool information that I'm sure the listeners will really really uh, get a kick out of. Oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, always, always fun to come to Madison and, and, and see you. And the, the Madison scene is, is, is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry I missed you last time you were here. I had something else going on, but I'm sure I'll catch up with you again sometime. You know, there was this movie, I can't remember what it was called, but it was about this guy who drove, he drove a, a rider mower across Iowa to get to his brother's party in Wisconsin. And the joke <laughs> of the movie is saying, Wisconsin, that's a party state. And so I always think of that when I go to Madison. Madison, that's a party. It's a party state. It is a party 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 town. Definitely. All right, Bob, you take care. We'll keep in touch. And I'm sure I'll see you again soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That was Bob Barnes. Great guy, wonderful musician, and always a fun fellow to talk to. And it dawned on me that I forgot to mention Bob's website, which is mandragoratango.com. 
The URL is in the show notes, so please check them out. Well, Bob touched on a range of topics, and I gotta say, I really like the history lesson about tango for dancing versus tango for listening. As we make our way deeper into the world of tango, you'll find that there's a lot of interesting stuff when you delve into its history, and people like Bob do a great job bringing it to life. So when you learn tango, you're not just learning a dance, you're becoming part of a rich tradition and maybe even adding to the folklore. I know that Bob touched upon the sometimes contentious relationship between DJs and live musicians, and even though I do DJ myself, I personally recommend that you try dancing to live music when you can. It's challenging, it's fun, and it creates a dynamic that you don't always get to experience when dancing to recorded music. So thank you again, Bob, for your time, for sharing your stories, and for all your efforts in the musical side of tango. And to all of you listeners, thank you again for tuning into Joe's Tango Podcast. If you enjoyed this program and you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, it would mean the world to me if you could go to any one or all of those platforms, leave a five-star rating, a positive comment, and remember to subscribe. It only takes a minute, but does a lot to help more people find this podcast. And of course, sharing this with your friends would also be lovely. I truly appreciate your support. And if you have suggestions for people that you'd like me to interview, or if you just want to get in touch, feel free to send me an email. You can contact me at wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. And you can find out more about me and my own tango classes at wisconsintango.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, dot com. Okay, that's it for now. We'll have more shows coming to you every Monday and sometimes Fridays, but definitely every Monday. I'm Joe Yang. Talk to you again soon. Bye.